Lauren. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> um, welcome back, guys. We are listening to Quarter Life Crisis, and we have a super awesome guest named Steph Page, and she'll introduce herself. Hello. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is so technical. Um, <laughs> hi, my name is uh, Stephanie Page. Like Sarah said, I've been friends with Sarah and Lauren since our freshman year of college, which is crazy. Um, my major is family studies and human development, and something that I'm super interested in is sexual assault and like knowing the truth behind it and like advocacy for it and um, like the reasoning of what happens and like just perpetrating the myths with reality and stuff like that. So it's like a potential future career of mine, super interested in it, and yeah. Awesome. So yeah, Steph is going to talk to us today about sexual assault and mainly like the myths around sexual assault and why it's so important, yes. obviously. Um, so for me personally, I want to preface it with this because like sexual assault to me is super important because I think that at our core, humans have this, have a right of choice. Like that mm -hmm. is something that we were born with. And I think that like from a religious perspective of like as a Christian, like God gave us choice and choice of love. Like love is a verb, like we have to choose that. And so Sexual assault, I believe, is so damaging to individuals because it's cutting and taking away um, the core of who God created humans to be or just whether you believe in a God or not, like who we were created to be. And so if love is a choice and that choice is taken from us, it creates this like internal confusion mm -hmm. for the victims um, as what they knew to be love and choice is like stripped from them. And I personally believe that love is yeah, it's like a vulnerable choice, and so sex is a physical representation of um, this vulnerable state, and so when perpetrators of sexual assault take that choice from victims, it leaves them in, like, a forced vulnerable state, and, like, that's so, that's so terrible, like, mm -hmm. someone's offering you, like, I don't know, this intimate part of them, and they're doing it because they trust you, or because it doesn't mean anything, it's like, you know, a friends with benefits thing, but in either way, like, they are aware of what they're choosing, and they are aware of the ramifications of it, and they actively chose to engage with you in this really vulnerable thing, um, where, like, physically vulnerable in terms of, like, nakedness, or just, like, vulnerability in terms of, like, connection emotionally, and so to strip that choice from someone, I think, is an extreme misuse of power that you have and um, just kind of objectify someone and says, like, you're not human enough to still have your right of choice. I'm yeah. taking that from you. And that is so sad to me, especially um, in terms of, like, child abuse and, like, sexual assault in children where, like, they don't even know they have a choice. They may not even know what's going on. Like, mm. something in them might know something wrong with what's happening. But, like, the person that they're supposed to trust for attachment and is this figure of caregiving and nurturing and protection is completely being the antithesis of nurturing and is not raising them to believe in choice, but is more raising them to believe in, like, submission. And that mm. is so sad to me. So that is why I am passionate about sexual assault and why I think it's so impactful and traumatic because you're losing this innate right every human has and that's choice and that's like not to sexual assault it's also like in slavery and in like yeah. indentured servitude and like all this kind of stuff so that is what is super interesting to me and that's why I kind of want to have it as a career interesting wow that was very oh. eloquent <laughs> thank you like, wow <laughs> where did this passion start for this um, this passion started for me, um, once I changed my major to family studies and I was in a class called 257, which is like family dynamics. And it was with this really great professor, Professor Knapp, and he was talking about like marriage and like, um, marital sex and stuff and like rape and marriage and stuff. And like, I didn't really think that was a thing. I was like, mm. I don't really understand that. And now... Mm. Like, that kind of spurred on some research. And then, um, I'm sure y'all have heard of, like, the Stanford swim case with Brock mm -hmm. Turner. Um, I was, like, super interested in that because I didn't understand, like, 
just like how did that happen like what is going on here and also my family like loves sports like that's something that we all love to do together is like watch football games watch baseball games basketball and like time and time again there's like my phone will get a notification like Antonio Brown is convicted of sexually assaulting his trainer um the Baylor team the Stanford swim case and so uh, Ben Roethlisberger and his like convictions of rape and stuff and so I had always been, like, around that environment, but, like, never really learned about it. And I'm like, why does this keep happening? What is going on? And then also as a woman, like, we, our bodies are naturally objectified and we're naturally more seen as objects. Like, men are recognized for their achievement, which is why they have this drive to be better and to constantly be improving. And, like, emotions are a distraction from the goal of being the best. And then women are, like, seen for their body as opposed to their achievement and so that's why it's like well what can I do to look younger better eyelash extensions um going to the gym like that's the development of eating disorders and some and so that kind of stuff happens and so knowing that women are more seen for their body than as a person um kind of made me think like well what is going on here like why is this happening like what can I do and also being in Young Life, I have uh, Young Life girls and just seeing like the culture that happens in high school and in college is just insane to me and I just want to advocate for it. But mm-hmm. I would say the two biggest things that would be the Stanford swim case as well as being in a culture of sports and seeing all these things where I'm like, what is happening here? So so what what do you think is happening in sports? Like why is it coming up so often? That is a a very good question. I think that in sports, it kind of, a lot of it ties back to, like, toxic masculinity and this idea of, um, like, power and that I have a right to something for all that I'm achieving, which is, like, you never have a right to a human body. So that's a really unfortunate mindset, but I think that a lot of it is just kind of, like, an abuse of power and status and um just kind of thinking well I deserve this sort of thing and I don't know I think yeah a lot of it just goes back to like aggression and um kind of like a, a misuse of power like I said before and yeah I don't know that's something I'm still just like kind of researching because it is hard because in those cases often like alcohol isn't in use and Mm -hmm. like it's just like why is it that the gymnast (laughs) trainer for I think it was like Michigan or the Olympic team like the the girls are trusting you to like take care of their bodies not to misuse it or misuse your power or like them coming to you for help and a lot of times also might be like misinformed intentions like you might think someone's being flirty when they're not or um, which that's like more case in terms of like alcohol. Um, but hmm. yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I'm going to want this question in here because now I'm like, I don't really know. I didn't research that part of it, Yeah. but I know that has to do, I would say toxic masculinity. Yeah. yeah. I feel like most of the times when you hear about those like nationally known cases, it's always sports or yeah. it's professionally or college. But going back to what you said earlier, do you know, like, how often rape in marriage occurs? Like, is that something that's common? Um, yes, it is. So, (laughs) in terms of rape in marriage, there isn't, like, necessarily a whole lot of research about it, but we do know, um, based off of RAIN, which is the rape abuse incest national network so they are like kind of the go-to for statistics and uh hotlines and like help and information and definitions of consent and stuff like that for anyone who might be confused about like oh like what what did happen to me or what is happening to my friend or how can I be more aware and so they have told us that and we know from statistics that 80% of rapes that occur um are from people the victim knows and so from that, 30% of those are marital, and um, yeah, a lot of people just don't view it as rape because they're in this marriage, and that it's like this binding thing, and so it's, a lot of people, this research article said that a lot of people think it's like, it was just bad sex, and it's like, Mm. no, because, and this is where I go back to like, 
consent is consent is consent is consent. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what is happening if at any moment the man or the woman feels uncomfortable and verbally tells you that and you continue to push, you get aggressive or you ignore it or in any way they don't feel listened to or heard, you are once again taking choice away from them and leaving them in this vulnerable Mm -hmm. state. And what's worse is that in marriage, like you have these wedding vows, you have these things saying like, I will protect you. I will love you forever. It will be unconditional. Like, I am the rock of which you can lean on, like, mm-hmm. I will lead you, whatever it looks like in terms of what, how the couple use their marriage, like, it's still, that's someone who you should be able to trust the most, and be the most honest with, and the most vulnerable with, and you should have no fear of them taking advantage of anything mm-hmm. in you, and so, the psychological damage that happens in marriage and rape is so much more traumatic than with a stranger, or boyfriend girlfriend etc and they have like larger amounts of like major depressive episodes because yeah. that was like their one and only that was their forever mm-hmm. that was like their rock the person they should be able to lean on like the amount of trust that just gets shattered in those relationships and not only that but like a boyfriend or girlfriend if you don't live with them you can go home you don't have to see them again like the stranger like you don't even know what they look like like you go to bed next to the person who did that to you and you have to wake up and make them breakfast the next morning. Like you sit by a Christmas tree together. Like it's just like the ramifications of it. It's just like, I cannot imagine like the trust that would get shattered because it's like, what has this meant if you don't even respect my basic human choice? Just Mm -hmm. like I'm choosing to love you. You're choosing to betray that love and take away my love, my vulnerability and my choice. And so it's so much more severe in ratings of like anger and depression and because they're not only living with the rape, they're living with the rapist. Um, And that's just so sad to me because like, again, like from my religion, like I think marriage is like the utmost like of what the Lord has given us as a view of him laying his life down for the church. And so you're not laying your life down. You're forcing things upon someone else and like, you're not dying to yourself. Instead, you are living in your own selfish, lustful desires. And you're not loving your husband or wife in that moment. And that's really sad. And I like the psychological trauma is just so much more impactful. Because, yeah, like I said, you go to the to bed next to the person. And you may not even know it's rape. Like, mm-hmm. a married man or woman would be like, well, I, I can't be raped. Because I'm married to that person. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be assaulted by someone I'm married to. But it's, like, if you didn't want it at the moment and if you're uncomfortable, if you have this, like, empty, like, feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, what was that? I didn't feel respected. And, like, you're too scared to have that conversation. Like, these are things worth researching because often victims don't even know that rape had occurred to them due to, like, ignorance or not being – not, like, bad ignorance, but just, like, unaware of, like, what rape is considered and what sexual assault is considered to be – so that to me is just the utmost of like, ah, uh, so sad, so uh-huh. heartbreaking. But yeah, that would be, I think, the most like psychologically traumatic thing. Yeah. Something I think think would happen a lot in marriage is like if the woman, well, or the man, but I'm picturing more of the woman. Yeah. If she... honestly, disclaimer, I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not saying it doesn't happen with men, but yeah. statistically, where does it happen more? Like. Yeah. So if the woman <laughs> is like, no, I don't feel like it, whatever, and, but the husband is like, oh, come on, like, and just continues, like, yeah, to press, like, that's not rape or assault, that's definitely pressured. Yeah. And I feel like that would happen a lot, like, if it's like, I yeah. don't feel like it, but then it's like, okay, whatever, let's just yeah. do it like a bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? and, and I think that also, that comes into, like, the victim knows when it, like, well, they may not know, but, like, through either research or thinking about that event, they may be, like, honestly, like, I felt pressured into that when I, like, didn't want to. And it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, let's just get it over with and, like, do it for you. It's, like, no, like, I, I wasn't comfortable with that. And, like, a lot of times I think that being, like, tired or, like, I don't want to do with the kids, etc., like, or just a long day at work, like, those may be reasons to, like, you know, like, have your, like, sex life and marriage, like, take a hit but I think you know deep down like the emotional connection of um 
like sex in marriage, if you're not wanting to have it for reasons that if it were to occur, for it to feel like assault, would probably be you feel emotionally distant or there's other stuff going on. Like, because at that point, it's like, okay, fine, I'll just do it. But like, if it's feeling forced when you're like, there are things I want to talk about, there's things I need to talk about, like I'm feeling X, Y, and Z about like this situation in life and you forcing this upon me, like isn't okay. And so it's just kind of, in my opinion, when it comes to marriage and sexual assault, just like, if the communications are like have the conversation and like know like what's going on instead of being like you're just tired let's have it let's pressure you I don't know to me that speaks into like you just don't be like (laughs) where's the loving care for the person if they don't want to have it like and you're not making it this like emotionally intimate conversation instead you're like either pressuring them or assaulting them and again like it's in marriage it's so sad yeah crazy but yeah so it's it's just like I think a very unspoken about part of sexual assault, which is why I wish there was more research on it. But I think that a lack of research honestly stems from people maybe not even knowing yeah. that they would like that could be considered assault. Yeah. In some way. Do you have statistics on that or um I have like statistics on like on sexual assault and marriage. Um, again, like, there isn't a lot of research about it, so the only thing that, like, we can statistically say, at least from what I've researched, there's a ton out there that you could probably learn more about, and I'm not the end-all be-all Gandhi or whatever, sexual assault, (laughs) I don't know everything, but, um, we do know that, like, eight out of the ten sexual assaults that are committed, um, the victim knew the person, so whether that's in a romantic relationship, an office coworker, that happens a lot, or an acquaintance, or, like, a friend, um, like, a lot of stories I've heard were, like, oh, he was my friend at a fraternity, and I went to go to the party, or, like, oh, he's in my college dorm, like, hallway, or, like, oh, he was my friend from this, or I met this person through this, or they were at a house party, like, um, Kaylin from The Bachelorette, like, she was at a friend's house, like, Mm -hmm. when she was telling Colton about the time that she was raped, and so, eight out of ten times, they do know the person, which is, again, why it's so much more, like, psychologically, like, jarring. Because, like, you see the person at a birthday dinner next week. You know, you have a class with the person. Like, you see the person on campus in school hallways. Like, your friend is friends with that person. Like, you're in group chats together. You watch it on Instagram. It's not, like, a one-time occurrence where it's, like, I'm, I'm not going to see you again. It's this trust issue that is completely shattered. Um, and it's acquaintance that's called acquaintance rape when you know the person and so it's like acquaintance rape is just so much more psychologically damaging in terms of like long-term health issues and mental disorders and like increased drug use and um alcohol abuse as opposed to like stranger rape which is kind of like when you yeah it's like when you don't know the person Mm -hmm. so that's so crazy yeah it's just like the intimacy is completely stripped of you and you're like because you trusted them Mm -hmm. you know like you knew them like you thought you were just getting a safe ride home, you know, whatever, like, the circumstances may be like that is what happens, which is really sad. It makes me think, like, when my boyfriend is scared of me, like, walking around alone at night or whatever, it makes me think, well, technically, in terms of rape, that's probably not as dangerous. Yeah, like, Like, statistically, you should be more scared of his friends. Statistically, it's more the friends that he should be worried about or, like, co-workers. Mm Mm-hmm people we already know than some stranger walking down the street yeah. and that's really crazy when it's like oh well if you don't want me doing that technically exactly you should be more scared of people you know <laughs> what do you think is the biggest misconce- misconception when it comes to rape um, or sexual assault okay so i think that the biggest misconception or myth about like rape and sexual assault is that rape is only penal penetration because in reality rape is any type of sexual assault that involves forced penetration so um rain the institution i talked about before and the fbi define rape as penetration no matter how slight of the vagina or anus with any body part or object or oral penetration by a sex organ of another person without the consent of the victim so Rape is not just the penis. Rape can be digitally through fingering, like in Brock Turner's case with the Stanford swimmer, or it can be like done through foreign objects or orally. And so that's a huge misconception because it kind of shows that most people 
wouldn't really consider what happens to them to be rape because they're like, well, it wasn't actual sex, so it wasn't rape. Mm -hmm. And that is just a gross misunderstanding. And not on that for victim side, but for the perpetrator, they may be like, I didn't really rape her because we didn't have sex. When it's like, yes, you did. You fingered her or you did forcible acts of penetration on her without her consent or his consent. Um, there was a study that I learned about in one of my classes that said that like one in three um, men in college who took this anonymous survey said that they would sexually assault a girl if no one were to find out. And that's like a really jarring statistic at first. You're like, oh my stars, like 33% of men would sexually assault them if they didn't find out. But what the study like sought to prove more than that statistic, that was kind of like you know how in studies do something where they ask you a question, but really it means something else? So they were asking that question to show the ignorance in terms of the definition of rape because when asked what they define rape to be, they, like most of the people answering the study, said that it's um, penal penetration. And so then when they were asked, well, would you rape someone if no one were to find out? It was like everyone said no, they wouldn't. But then they say, would you sexually assault someone if no one were to find out? 33% said, yes, they would. And so that kind of proves that they don't think um, assault is necessarily rape. And, like, it has to be, like, penis to vagina for it to be considered rape. And that's just not true because, as I said before, it's any sort of forcible penetration. And so rape is different than sexual assault because... Sexual assault can be attempted rape. It can be the fondling or unwanting of sexual touching. So, like, having your ass scratched at a bar. Like, that is sexual assault. Um, forcing a victim to perform sexual acts, whether oral or penetrating the perpetrator's body or penetration of the victim's body. So, it's kind of like how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is in a square. Like, um, rape is sexual assault, but sexual assault isn't always rape. And so, that's, like, a really big misconception. Um... Yeah, and you see that not just in the study that I just talked about, but also, like I said before, like the Brock Turner case where it's like, well, I didn't really rape her. And then it's like, yes, you did. Like, yeah. you digitally raped Chanel Miller. So here we are. Yeah, what was interesting, I was reading about that case recently, and in California, they cha had to change the law yeah. because before, technically... He didn't Yeah, it, right? so it wasn't considered. So what happened was, also I have the book about it. It's called Know My Name. If y'all had to leave with one thing from <laughs> today, it would be to buy Chanel Miller's memoir, Know My Name. Oh my stars, it is so good. She, this is a little, what is it called, like soapbox or whatever. She um, was a literature major. I want to say UC, like UC. USC Barbara, UC Barbara, whatever that school is. And so what's interesting is that one Berkeley. of the... Berkeley. Yes, UC Berkeley. <laughs> Thank you. One of the... Except I thought she was Santa Barbara. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> literature major at a college in California. She probably... Sorry. No, you can... Yeah. I think she was at a party and she wasn't attending Berkeley, but she was at Berkeley at the time, right? No, she was at Stanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she... Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so I want to say her sister goes yeah. to UC Berkeley. She went to the college in Santa Barbara. The rape happened at Stanford. I think that's what it is. Again, it, this is all my details. But, um, so what happened was at Stanford, oh, sorry, Soapbox. She <laughs> is a literature major there. And so what's so beautiful about this book is that one of the, um, defense attorneys like Brock's lawyer one of his main things was like how can Chanel Miller remember anything when she was so drunk mm. like she can't give vivid details she doesn't remember anything and so this book is so beautifully written because it goes into so much depth and detail like she describes the sound that makes that like dumplings make when she was making them with her grandfather during this time like hitting the pan like the sizzling of the oil and she like describes how she feels in such a gut-wrenching, like, detailed, beautifully, like, tragic way. And I personally believe not only she's a literature major, she got literary devices and imagery, but she made it so vivid in its pictures because she's like, you won't say I don't remember anything. So, like, I, I like, feel like I have such a clear understanding of what 
the courthouse looked like, what everything looked like, because she painted it so beautifully, and only because the freaking defense attorney had the audacity to tell her the stuff that she did. And so she, like, in her stubborn beauty, honestly, and strength, she was like, I will make everything super detailed. So that book is great. Stepping off the soapbox here. Um, originally, yes, they were like, this is not considered rape. It's considered sexual assault. And so her, um, what are those people called? That Attorneys? District attorney. Her district attorney was like, this is absolute BS that he is only getting three months in county jail. Like, this is insane. And so there's, a, like, a one of those, like, 60-minute things with Chanel, and she talks about how the gross injustice of the outcome of the trial and how he was only in county jail for three months. And, like, um, in the book, she talked about how he already spent a day in jail, so really he didn't even have a full three months. He had, like, two months and whatever 29 days or whatever which is just like kind of funny I was like they were like when they released it they were like also you've already been in jail for a day from that night so we took that one off your record it's like oh my gosh like y'all are just giving him little outs like wherever is possible um and so the law got changed to now um rape being any sort of penetration like I said whether foreign object actual penal penetration or digitally which is like your fingers um and so it was cool because they were like, yeah, we'll take, like, a terrible trial outcome for, like, a complete, like, change in the law, which is super awesome. And the judge yeah. that took his, like, um, like, took the trial and, like, gave him his sentencing got, like, like whatever, like, when you get taken down from your position. Really? Like, yeah. He got, oh, like, removed, which, like, hadn't happened in, like, a really long time, which I think is super awesome. But, so, yeah. And also, like, rape laws and sexual assault and, like, the consent and what that looks like. I mean, consent is consent is consent. But... In terms of defining rape and sexual assault, varies from state to state. So that's another super important thing to research is, like, what does my state define these things to be? Because, like, California, the law got changed because of Chanel Miller and her strength, which is super awesome. Do you know if Arizona's law is similar to Um, I believe Arizona's law is similar. I think that um, this is something where you, like, look it up state by Mm -hmm. state. So you'd have to research that. I haven't looked super into like how it differs state by state i'm pretty sure Arizona is similar to california yeah um but rain is super cool they have this little like part that's like a like, map of the united states and then you like search your state and then it will give you all this information about like what it looks like cool. so if you are like you might think you're a victim of something or you just want to educate yourself more like they give you a lot of resources for that um, a lot of other myths right yeah there's um I think that some of the other really big myths would be that only women are raped. And so I know I said before that, like, honestly, statistically, they're more likely to be the victims of rape. But I think that it's a huge, uh, like, backward step in what I believe, like, feminism to be to only recognize women in sexual assault because I believe that feminism is the equality of genders. And so whether that's, like, lowering men's power or raising women from oppression, but, like, that doesn't mean we shouldn't recognize, like, the social stigmas and ideas surrounding men and the mm-hmm. culture that they are brought up in and toxic masculinity, like I said before, and how, like, they're recognized for achievement, whereas women are recognized for looks and that kind of stuff. So um, many people don't really know that um, men and boys are also affected by sexual violence. And as of 1998, 2.78 million men in the United States have been victims of attempted or completed rape. And... Mm. About 1 in 33 American men have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. And so 1 out of 10 rape victims are male. And I think that that often doesn't get talked about because men are supposed to be, like, strong and, like, this stuff doesn't happen to them. And, like, rape is, like, a crime against women because, like, weak or inferior or, like, they're easier to be victims. And so I can only, I can't imagine and I won't try to imagine because I'm not a man, but, like, the psychological impacts that rape would have to a man because it's like this shouldn't happen to me I'm strong I'm a man like this stuff shouldn't get to me like this should never have happened like what are people going to think about me like the social stigmas like again like toxic masculinity like I'm in power like mm-hmm. I'm the superior like what is happening like where does my worth come from and um So a lot of people don't know, like, the actual impacts that men and boys have from sexual assault. But also a lot of people are unaware of how rampant sexual assault is for women and girls and the high rates of it. So 
One in, out of every six American women have been the victims of attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. One out of six? One out of six, yeah. So I think of, like, like living with, like, ten, like, girls in, like, a house, like, one to two of you will have had that happen, like, statistically. And that's, like, really insane. Um, and young women are especially at risk. 82% of all juvenile victims are female. And so this just kind of goes back to, like, the idea of they're easier to victimize, they're smaller. Like, if men know that women won't fight back, they're, like, easier targets. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, like, it's really, really sad, but, um, and not only, well, yeah, it's just, it's just hard, especially, like, in college students, they're three times more likely to experience sexual violence, especially freshman year, mm -hmm. as you are seen as an easier target, like, you're naive, you're in this new environment, like, you are the ones that are going to, like, the frat parties, you don't know what's going on, like, you might confuse this with, like, a college boy likes me and um just like the perceived weakness of women and also like men aren't dumb they know that they're gonna get away with things they know like they either, they either will get away with things because they may not know this but because there is systematic superiority given to them or because like women aren't gonna do anything about it because like the amount that a woman has to risk in reporting anything is so much she risks so much greater loss and, like, social, um, like, stigmas and, like, people judging her, looking at her differently than, like, the guy does because you're more likely to believe the guy than, like, you would to believe the girl. And so, yeah. And that just kind of goes into, like, another huge myth is the amount of reporting. And so... Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that um, a lot of people think that if a woman was raped, she would just report it to the police, and we know that's not true because um, out of the or only two hundred and thirty out of every one thousand sexual assaults go reported to the police, which means that three out of the four go unreported. Um, and there are so many reasons why victims would choose not to report, and that is prop that might be because they know the individual, and so like I'm not going to go and report my uncle to the police. Like, mm -hmm. that is going to create yeah. so much family discord and so much stress in family members. And also, like, is my aunt going to believe me? Or is that going to create even more distress between, like, my aunt and my mom, like, her sister? You know, like, what is that going to look like? And so a lot of the reasons why women won't report is that they were either ignorant and didn't know that the assault would legally rape. They're in denial or suppression. Um, there's a, um, They may experience psychogenetic amnesia, which is, like, they aren't even aware of what happened. Like, they may not even know. And so, in those kind of instances, I read a report about a woman who, like, felt weird about a night and thought something that might something might have happened but wasn't really sure. And then, like, the next day, like, someone, like, pulled on, like, her ponytail or something like that. And, like, this, like, thing triggered inside of her. And she was able to have, like, a glimpse of something that might have happened. Wow. Because her brain just completely shut it off and was like, well, that wow. didn't happen. Yeah, that happened with, um... I have permission to say this. It happened with one of my friends where she didn't know and was like, I don't, she had always felt weird about this one night from like her childhood or like this one like season, like when, like uh, Christmas season. And then she was like watching a TV show and it was like the show that she'd been watching at night. And immediately she just like everything came forward. She was like, I remember. And so your brain just like completely shuts things down. And that kind of goes back to like, fight or flight like what are you going to do mm -hmm. in this moment and that's like another huge like myth that I'll talk about like why a lot of times people think that like well you could fight back so like you could have fought back or like if there isn't physical injury then that means you weren't raped because that means you didn't fight back so you just let it happen that's another huge myth I'll talk about in a little bit but yeah a couple other reasons why women may not report it is like fear of retaliation like you don't know what's going to happen especially mm -hmm. like you can tie this back to like marriage and rape like you go home to the person what like I'm gonna yeah. like tell my husband I'm going to Target and then like I go to the police and then like yeah. I come home I'm cooking dinner and like reports and like things come forward and like I live like what's that gonna look like or 
if you have kids, like, how are they going to view him? And so you may want to be protecting them. And so you don't want, like, there to be any retaliation or anything to be taken out on the kids or, like, anything like that. There also may be... Oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, and it's scary to have to come home to your rapist because yeah. like, what it, he might do something. Yeah, at that point, you don't know. Like, yeah. when is it, is it going to happen again? When is it going to happen yeah. again? Like... Is he going to take it out on Is me? he going to... Yeah, like, what could this be? Because we also know... Um, like, we don't know many, like, necessary statistics about it, like I said before, but a lot of the times the women that are raped in marriage are already victims of, um, like, domestic abuse and violence, and, like, the their husband is already, like, aggressive and, like, violent towards them, and so that's, like, just another, like, um, manifestation of their aggression would be the rape. And so a couple other reasons might be fear of disbelief or blame, and so that's, like, I don't want to say anything because society's not going to believe me. And that you can see, there are so many cases where it's like, um, you're, it's like, well, what were you wearing? Well, what were you doing? Well, what was going on? And it's like before believing the victim, before being like, we are here for you. Like you have to know all the circumstances of it instead of being like, your main focal point is that there was a violation of human rights and like, it's like a social injustice. But instead it's like, well, okay, let's not be too hasty here. Like let's look at everything first. So it's like. Well, why? And especially since we also know that um, 995 out of the 1,000 sexual assault like perpetrators will go, like, will walk away free. Like, often, like, there isn't, like, Brock Turner, case A, like, yeah. three months in county jail, what? Like, that's insane. And so, the fear of disbelief might be a reason why women may not say anything. Also, the loss of privacy. In Chanel's book, she talks about how in court, there were just, like, pictures that were taken of her yeah. and like she's completely naked in all of them and it's like exhibit 12a like abrasion to the labia and her like is just out for all the jury and like everyone to just legal? see yeah because that's like evidence so but it's like isn't it like a public aren't courts open to the public i think they depend on the case because this one was not open to the public okay. um that's better but yeah, but even then, there's this one part in the book that's so good. She talks, she's, like, thinking about all the guys that have had to have seen her naked that night while she was passed out from intoxication, mm. and she, I think she was, like, 14 guys saw her. She was, like, well, the detective saw me. Well, the three people from the EMT saw me. Well, the, like, the hospital saw me. Like, this many, like, men have wow. seen my, like, vagina and my butt, and, like, like, taking pictures of it for proof and, like, needed it for these kind of things. So there's just an extreme loss of privacy. And also, like, your world gets publicized. Like, you don't – you lose the right to any sort of, like, life where rumors aren't being spread about you. People aren't talking about you. And, like – which just, to me, it ties back to, like, how strong are the women who come forward about these things? Like, Kaylin talking about it on The Bachelorette. I would never have done that. And she opened up this huge – avenue for women who would never talk about it to begin talking about it like the me too movement and um she didn't do that but like that's another avenue mm-hmm. where women have now spoken up and so this loss of privacy um can be used for such good as it allows for others to share their stories but also like you personally as the person who is strong enough to give up your privacy, do lose a lot. And that might be a reason why people don't report it. And also fear of the criminal justice system, like I said before, 995 out of the 1,000 assaults, the perpetrator will, like, walk away free. And that's, like, from rain, too. I don't want anyone to, like, hear this and be like, where'd she get that from? Like, I got it from the people in charge of every five years releasing new reports about this. So those are reasons why if a woman was raped, she would report it to the police. Myth is just, like not true and I think that that's kind of where it's like okay think about it from her perspective like empathize like what could be going on what are reasons why she wouldn't and um I think that's kind of how that myth could get dismantled and so um like I said before um the whole thing about the physical abrasion um a lot of people believe that a woman who is truly being raped would offer the utmost physical resistance when in reality, many rape victims offer no physical resistance whatsoever, mm-hmm. and that's for a couple of reasons. One being that women are socialized to be nice, like, um, whether that's looking at, like, you know, 1900, like, stereotype of, like, the woman's in the kitchen, and she's sweet, and she's kind, she doesn't speak up, and so we can still see some ramifications from that in, um, 
like today's society where it's like, well, you're nice and you're sweet and like you're not aggressive and um, and if you are, you're like a feminist bitch. And so it's like yeah. you've been trained to like be nice in things. And so I know like for me a huge thing if like, and my friends feel switch, like if a guy is hitting on me, like I will often just like, I will give them the phone number and not, because I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to shame them. I'm like, yeah, like, we should hang out sometime knowing I'm not going to. Like, yeah, yeah. like, because I just, I'm someone who, like, I don't want to embarrass you or shame you or have you feel awkward. I would rather just, like, not deal with that. And I don't ever want to make you uncomfortable. And so women, because they're socialized to be nice, I want to make people uncomfortable. So that might be where, unfortunately, in extreme cases of, like, your potential assault, they just kind of, like, let it happen. Also, the size of the perpetrator, this is another reason the size of the perpetrator may be intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I think of, like, big football players like that, like, it may be easier in those instances just to, like, yeah. this is so, I, like, hate saying this, but just, like, let it happen. And that kind of goes back to, like, there is strategy to allowing um, these kind of things to happen. A lot of people are like, well, I might survive the rape if, I don't resist or I may have less physical injury like broken bones or abrasion or like a concussion or anything like that like all like I may take away any physical aggression he may give if I resist like him fighting back is so much stronger than me fighting back so like it's strategy where you're like okay the perpetrator is bigger than me I'm socialized to be nice like I, I don't want to make it like I don't I'm just I'll just I'll deal with it later I feel like it's a huge mentality and mm -hmm. so not resisting or like wanting to not have as much physical abrasion whether that's so your friends don't see it and like where'd you get that bruise you know what I mean or like your mom's like why what like what's like what's that from like any type of thing like that they may want to like lessen and that kind of ties back to like not wanting to like make it known and wanting to keep the sense of privacy about like what has happened and um, so a lot of it is strategy and then there's two different ways that like women's or a victim's mentality may like go to and that's disassociation or frozen fight and so disassociation is um, a doctor in the study that I read from Rape in America defined it as passivity in which the person relinquishes all initiative and struggle so I think disassociation is like your mind's psychological like, strategy of like I'm I'm just a numb at this point like this sounds so bad and like so tragic but like I'm just a numb body so I'm gonna do whatever they want to mm -hmm. like your mind just goes into complete like disassociation state and yeah and that kind of goes back to psychogenetic amnesia it's like I'm not gonna remember this like I it's like you're almost like blacked out but actually I'm blacked out you just are just like at this point I'm just like this is just happening and I'm like yeah. a known body um and another thing is the frozen fight which is a system of self-defense where your body again shuts down entirely and that's kind of like um fight versus flight like your automatic nervous system telling you what you're gonna do and so that's another thing that really really makes oh my sorry it makes me so angry when it's like well why didn't you fight back it's like who am I to say how my automatic like keyword automatic nervous system is going to respond to a traumatic event especially when I've never experienced before like you're not yeah like that's like telling someone who like got into like a car accident and like well why didn't you like put the car over to save your child or anything like you don't know how I'm gonna respond or like being robbed like well why didn't you fight back or like take try to take your purse back like I'm gonna run away I'm not gonna fight and um my guess would be tying back to like women being socialized to be nice strategy etc because like women are smaller and more intimidated by like a man's size like I would guess that women are more inclined to flight instead of fight because of the strategy and because lessening physical injury and stuff. And so, yeah, that's like, oh my gosh, that makes me so angry. I'm like, what, what do you, like, yeah. what do you, why don't you fight back? Like, I don't know how my body's going to respond. Like what my body does is just like either shuts down my mind and my body completely disassociate and like, it's it like kind of all things back to just like strategy and safety because at the end of the day I want to get home safely and if that means letting this rape or sexual assault occur like that's what my body's gonna do and that's what my mind is gonna become numb to so mm -hmm. um and this all kind of ties back to like well if you fought there would be physical resistance and um so therefore rape should have physical evidence like injuries wounds lacerations um 
but Rain reported that 70% of rape and sexual assault don't have any physical injury, and that is because sexual assault results in a lot of unseen damage, which is why it's taken less seriously. And so um, I think a really important thing to know about sexual assault and rape is that evidence of physical damage does not mean lack of consent. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, just because I don't have a broken bone, like, doesn't mean I was, like, giving consent in any way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, I think another super important thing to know is that rape is a profound injury in and of itself because of the psychological damages it takes on mental health. Um, 3.8 million American women have rape-related PTSD. And like I said before, they are three times more likely to have major depressive episodes, 4.1 times more likely to have contemplated suicide, and 13 times more likely to have attempted suicide. And so, yeah, rape and sexual assault are often seen as, like, silent crimes, and that is because you don't, you don't see what the victim is going through. And that kind of also goes back to, like, the privacy. You want to keep it private, wanting to seem strong. Um, not wanting to know that something is going on and stuff like that. And so that's, I think, another reason why society often sides with the perpetrator um, or the accused person because you can see what all they're going to lose. And so that kind of ties back to, like, sports and rape culture of, like, Brock Turner, like, all the articles listed his time, listed everything he would lose, listed how great of a student he was, like, the first thing, like, they didn't call him, like, perpetrator of sexual assault, they called him Stanford swimmer, you know, like, he was recognized for his accomplishments, which, again, it's all, like, ties together, like, ties back to, like, how men are recognized for accomplishment, and so we can see what he's going to lose, he's going to lose Stanford admission, he's going to lose academic, or, like, swim scholarship, he's Mm going to lose status, he's lost his chance to the Olympic trials, like, that kind of stuff, or, like, Mm -hmm. Antonio Brown, like, one of the um, top players in the NFL, like, he's losing getting to play um, for the Patriots, like, they, like, dropped in, he's, like, lost getting to like continue a career where he was like accelerating and so you see everything they're going to lose but because it's psychological with the victim you don't see what they're losing like you don't see the sleepless nights you don't see the depressive episodes you don't see the attempted suicide and like articles aren't written about that because there aren't medals there aren't plaques you put up there aren't plaques that get taken down for the victim and stuff so there's no loss of status because they're already a victim and they're at the lowest status possible of being the person who had to endure these things. And so that, I think, is another just really sad reality is that you side with what is more tangible. And so um, that kind of also ties into a huge misconception that um, a girl or, like, woman or a victim of sexual assault, like, should have some sort of, like, specific reaction so um there is like two different types of ways that women or like victims of sexual assault will tend to react and um uh, people want them to be upset during trial like that is like kind of the only tangible way you can see something may have happened like look at how upset mm-hmm. she is but often like I said before there's two different like avenues that women will go down and that is a controlled style at court or an expressive style at court and so controlled is like stone cold like nothing is getting to me like I'm fine like I am strong because you already internally yourself is so weak you're like so broken so your trust has been taken away like who can you trust who can you turn to like everything you need to be true has fallen apart especially since 80 percent happens with the person that you know and so um your trust is just completely taken and so that may turn into um like nothing gets to me i'm fine everything's fine Uh, but unfortunately like that style gets looked at as well, was she really raped? Because look how fine she is. Like, she should be more expressive. She should be, she should elicit these certain feelings. Like, why is she talking about this, like, so, like, coldly? Which I think is just crazy because, like, again, who are we to say how someone is going to respond to this? Especially if it's, um, like, child abuse or sexual assault happened to the child. Like, 
you were looking at your caregiver for nurture and for support and that was stripped from you. Mm -hmm. So then from a young age, you're told like you're on your own for things. No one is to be trusted because the very person you were, you are told to trust you, you can't because you don't know what they're going to do to you after they've had one too many drinks after they come home from a bad day at work. Um, you don't know what like them and their friends are going to do to you. Um, and you don't know, like, you just can't trust them as a parent, so all you can do is trust yourself. And so if you finally open up that trust to someone else and then um, you are once again a victim, like, the detrimental effects that would have is, like, twofold to the trust. And so who are we to say that someone's going to become, like, stone cold? Like, that's just, to me, speaks into, like, wow, like, what else is going on? Yeah. Like, if you're not letting anything get to you. So that's one to control thought. Another thing that happens, or the other avenue is an expressive style. And that is when the victim is like hysterical um, on trial and she's like crying, can't contain herself. Like there's just so many emotions. Like it's really hard for her to talk about. And unfortunately, um, juries or um, will look at that and be like, can we really trust her judgment with how hysterical she is? Yeah. Like, really, like... Or maybe be like, oh, is she faking this? Yeah, like, really, is it, like, I don't... And that, to me, is so sad because, um... I like, kind of, like, who are we to say? Like, that is so traumatic for her. Like, she had human choice taken from her. And so, that's something... That's really sad, too. So, Chanel Miller also talks about it in her book. There's, like, this fine balance. She'd have to, like, excuse herself because she was, like... I'm crying too much, Brock Turner's lawyer is going to turn that against me. Or, like, mm. I can't look too okay. I can't look like I'm trying to be too strong, but I also can't look too weak. And it's, like, so sad that you can't just be authentically yourself in that moment. Um, and then the Rape in America, um, like, study that talks about these myths also talked about a defense attorney's strategy. And he was like, oh, my strategy going into – um, cases of assault is to like jab and jab and jab at the victim until I get the response I need to twist it however I need to so the jury focuses on like look at how she's being so she's being like stone cold he's gonna jab and jab and jab until she starts to cry and then he's like well look at that like, can we trust that like really and um which is like just so sad and just like so kind of shows like the thwarted like twisting in like court of like to elicit whatever they need to get the jury to believe them i feel like that's why women don't report it like that contributes to why women report less yeah fear of a criminal justice system yeah and like not just the people around you not believing you but if you go into if you decide to go through with a trial that is just going to make the pain like continue longer and longer yeah there's a chance that it won't even pay off and then it becomes public and there's like more pain and there's a really great chance it it won't won't, pay off yeah again 995 out of 1000 perpetrators it's like if those are my odds stacked against me, not only am I a woman in society, so that's already, like, not an alcohol involved, not only am I already viewed as, like, a drunk college student, drunk high school student, whatever, like, like alcohol is already, like, involved, which makes people more like, ah, and I'm at a party, people are going to be looking at what I'm wearing, but no one's looking at what Brock Turner, you know, no one's looking at, like, their physical attributes, but, like, you're being analyzed, but, like, well, how safe were you keeping yourself? Like, I... I hate that position i should not have to dress a certain way act a certain way or not be a certain way or not for someone else to like keep it in their damn pants that is so <laughs> ridiculous to me that like i'm oh my stars and like it's like i went to the the founder of the me too movement was um toronto burke was at u of a and i went to her talk and like it was really cool hearing what she had to say but also it was like so drawing of the, the reality of it is that like until these systematic injustices are like fixed and people are willing to like side with the victim first and like are willing to believe her um and see her side like the main concern is safety and so she was like what are you gonna do you're gonna tell like like me that my daughter should be able to go out and wear whatever she wants like I agree with you she should be able to go out and wear whatever she wants but the reality of it is I'm more concerned that my baby comes home safe Mm-hmm. And that she makes some sort of social stance. So, no, she will not be wearing that dress out. And it is not because um, I want to, like, protect boys or I want um, 
her to cover her body. I don't want her to have to cover her body. The reality is that she has to. Like, I care more about that she comes home safe. And then, like, that is so sad. Yeah. Like, that you, we have to, like, kind of look out for our own safety in ways that are just, like, matter of self-control and human decency. And small things, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that was another thing. They did, the, there was this one study that was, like, super interesting on, um, it was, like, an article on Facebook. I, like, read and researched, but basically they asked, like, guys to list, like, what they have to think about before mm-hmm. they go out, and they asked girls the same thing, and it was, like, crazy. Like, guys were, like, do I have my phone? Do I have my keys? Like, do I have my wallet? Like, where are my friends going? Like, nothing. And then girls, and I talk about this with my friends, too, like, girls are, like, well, I have to make sure a friend has my location. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure um, that my phone is charged enough because if it dies, no one knows my location. I have I if I'm getting it, me personally like side like if I'm getting in an Uber like I have yeah. someone like come out with me like before I get into it and like look make sure the picture matches like make sure I feel safe like before I get into it. So you're checking the safety of your your Uber drivers and. Um, what are you wearing? Is it too short? Is it too tight? I have a friend who um, has these pants that have, like, so many buttons on them, and they're really tight. And she's like, sometimes I wear these if I want to feel more safe because the buttons would take so long to undo that I'm hoping someone would maybe find me by then. And so, like, I always like, kind of want to make sure I'm wearing that. Like, do I have pepper spray? Um, do I um, have friends going out with me? Like, is my drink with me at all times? Um, I can't wear headphones going out because I can't be as aware of my surroundings. I don't feel comfortable pumping gas alone late at night. And again, this is not to say that guys can't feel uncomfortable or like in vulnerable states, like mm-hmm. going on a run late at night, but you have the privilege to go on that run yeah. knowing you aren't automatically seen as a victim. And if you are seen as a victim, it is more than likely a victim of robbery, of taking mm-hmm. of the wallet, taking of um, monetary value items, but you are not seen as a victim for your body. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is where the privilege is. And so, like, I don't want to say that this means that men don't have this struggle, but I do want to say that they don't have a fear of kidnapping for sex trafficking yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Their fear is more, like, am I going to be robbed or, like, held at, held at ransom, like, extreme cases, like, that kind of stuff. And so... One of my other friends, when she goes out, it's like, sometimes I don't like to wear a ponytail because I'm scared that someone can, like, snatch me from behind and, like, pull mm-hmm. at it. Yeah, or, like, can I still run in my heels if I need to? Like, those are all things, like, that you have to be thinking about. And, like, mm-hmm. um, like the buddy system for the bathroom and stuff like that. And so it was just crazy seeing, like, the long list of what women have to think about versus, yeah. like, men is, like, do I have my phone keys and wallet? Mm-hmm. Right. That is crazy. Yeah. When we went out, like, I was wearing, like, a loose crop top. And when we were at Club Congress, yeah. this guy came up to me and asked me, like, hey, are you in a sorority? Like, something dumb. <laughs> but, because my shirt was loose and he put his hand, like, under my shirt, like, on the back of my bra strap. Like, behind me. I'm like, hey, are you in a sorority? And I just, like, walked away. And I think it was the same dude later, like, came up behind me and tried to, like, dance with me without asking. And then on... Uh, oh, nice a non-nice way. <laughs> that is... And then I left and I cried and Sarah came to me. That is insane. And yeah. again, I'm it's like, so do you think you just have, like, a right no. to Lauren's body in that way? Yeah. Do you think that she's, like, wanting you that bad? Like, what is going on? Yeah. That And that's where I'm like, it's, it's toxic masculinity. It's like... I'm also, like, I just don't understand how, like, like... How does a guy not understand that it's late at night, maybe a girl already feels uncomfortable? Like, why do you think it's even, like, remotely okay to approach her in that way? You know? Like, and I wasn't even like, dancing because oh, I was really yeah. tired and I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I already felt uncomfortable. Just, yeah. That's or, like, insane. when I come home from work, because I work at yeah. a bar um, or a nightclub, and so I come home at, like, 2 a.m., like, just walking across the street to my car, like, me versus, like, my boyfriend also works there. So, like, if he's there and he's able to walk me to the car, I'll, like, wear something different versus, like, if he's not going to be there to walk me to my car after. So just, like, thinking about those little things, too. Like, literally walking across the street, like, at 2 a.m., I'm like, okay, am I going to wear pants or am I going to wear a skirt? Yeah, it's so scary. that The other 
Um, it was like two weeks ago. It was so scary. I was walking home at like 1 p.m. in like jeans and a t-shirt. Like no reason to be sexually promiscuous at all. Walking home from work and um, this guy is like in front of me and he like slows down and stops and is like looking at a tree and then like I catch up to him and then as soon as I catch up to him he like walks further past me and then I keep walking. I'm like not paying attention to him. Like it's 1 p.m. Like I'm listening to music. I don't care. And then I catch up to him again. And then he starts walking alongside of me. And um, he was like, hi. And I like pulled out my headphone. And I was like, hi. Like I'm like really uncomfortable. He's like walking with me at this point. And then he goes. And I'm like terrified. I don't know him. He was being really sus. He was like yelling at like the sky like profanity so I didn't really know what was going on I like held my hydrofoss in that way where you can like sing if you need to you know what I'm saying and so he was like you seem really scared right now and I just go no like I'm fine and he goes you don't seem comfortable I was like no like I'm I'm okay like in time I'm like I I can barely get those words out I'm so scared did this person seem like Fully there in the I have no idea. Or? I have absolutely no idea. And then um, he was like, he, oh my gosh, I'm like so scared. <laughs> he was so scary. He was like, you know, I don't rape girls, right? And I was like, oh. Oh. and so what I didn't say anything. And he was like, I'm not a rapist. I just like to charm girls. No. And he literally says to me at 1 p.m., I like can see time market in front of me. And I'm just like, I need to get the time market right now. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. And I'm like, this is what, why did you, like, why did you say that to me? What made you think that was okay? Like, yeah. and then he just, like, kept walking, and then he was, like, really, I don't rape girls. And, and then You're I just like, ignored stop him. saying that. I know. I, it was so, 1 p.m. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. Oh, insane. I was, like, why, like, it's I was not doing anything to come across anyway. It's so, so insane to me. And, again, it shouldn't, even if I, even if I was in, like, booty shirts and a bra. Did, still does not give you the right. Still not give you the right to talk to me like that. No amount of little clothing or layers for winter time gives you the right to talk to someone like that. No. Ever. Insane. No. There's um, one of our friends that she was, like, on a run. And it was, like, noon. Like, daylight, and she was running around her neighborhood, and this guy jumped out and, like, chased her, and she, like, had to, like, sprint all the way home in, like, the middle of the day. That is insane. Yeah, and she's like, I don't run outside anymore because... No, that's so scary. And it sucks because running outside is a lot better than the job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy, like, and even, like, driving, like, to the gym, like, to the U of Iraq, like... I won't go, like, late at night because I'm, like, what if there isn't parking in the lot and I have to park my car, like, a couple streets down, like, yeah. and Tucson isn't super well lit because of, like, the astronomy, like, whatever, and so I'm, like, oh, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Even just going outside, like, our house and when when the sun is down, yeah. I am, like, cautious the whole time just going to the side yeah. yard to my car, like, making sure no one's in the alley. Yeah, <laughs> it's so scary. Um, it's crazy. Was there, but is there anything else that you really want to talk um, about to wrap it up? I think that there's one very important thing to know about rape and sexual assault. This is what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you do not and should not, well, first of all, you should not need to know someone's story to empathize with them uh, for sexual assault, and you do not have permission to their story mm-hmm. to empathize with them. That's something that Toronto Burke said to you that I think was super important because you you shouldn't need to know the exact details of my assault to know that it was something that was painful and, like, is jarring and is, again, the complete stripping of my basic human right to, to a choice and to consent. And so I think a huge way to be, like, an advocate for sexual assault is just make it um, okay for victims to disclose or not disclose as much as they want and to know that, like, it is hard for them and you don't get to say what hard for someone should look like. Like you don't get to say what that difficulty should look like or should embody. And um, I think in a big and huge important part of it is like being aware and being educated on things and like knowing that like 
okay, yes, here's a statistic on why women don't report rape, but, like, what are the reasoning behind that statistic? Like, well, it's because of the socialization and because of gender norms and it's because of strategy and it's because of disassociation and, like, it's because of all these things. And so I think further education is really, really important in these things. And also, like, actually research things. Like, don't look at it and be like, oh, my gosh, that statistic is true. Like, really research and know what you're talking about. But above all, I think it's important that we recognize that um, – Assault is from the perpetrator, but victims often experience a second assault, and that's from society uh, stifling them or telling them, share your story so others feel okay about this mm. too. Like, we do not have a right to Kaylin's story from The Bachelorette. We do not have a right to Chanel Miller's memoir. Thankfully, because of their strength and resilience, they chose to share that, but that's when we need to respect that they've chosen to share, and it shouldn't take that to be empathetic towards victims. Mm -hmm. It should just take recognizing, like, they're a human being. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are really important. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you for sharing all this. It's yeah. really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, seriously. I could talk for a lot longer. I know. <laughs> we have a lot more content. Maybe we'll do a part two next semester. Yeah, it's always good. For real. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking and sharing about that. And yeah, yeah, this was fun. I mean, it's a it's a hard topic, but it's it a is. good topic. Yeah, so it's like it's something that everyone needs to be aware of. And yeah, it was fun to bring awareness. All right, all right. Thanks for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram and our Facebook page. And if you have any questions or comments our email is podcast.qlc at gmail.com so use that <laughs> yeah email us whatever all right see you next week bye bye